Time marches on and leaves behind those who are not equipped for tomorrow. We cannot predict what will happen in the future, but we at Regent University aim to prepare you for it. With world-class professors and over 150 programs, the opportunities to find success in your field are many. So don't let tomorrow pass you by. The journey to your brightest future begins here. Visit regent.edu slash learn more. If the goal in life is to have peace, then that simply cannot be found on our own. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with Pastor Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth right from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. Now here's Pastor Steve with today's Core Truth. Hey, we're continuing this message that we started yesterday uh, in John chapter 1 on a worthy sacrifice, talking about how worthy Jesus is as our praise. He is worthy of our praise because He is the King of kings and Lord of lords that came and lived in human form. In fact, we looked at last time, John 1, 1, that says, In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. Verse 14 says, He came and dwelt among us. Yes, we can see who Jesus is literally because we're believers. The non-believer doesn't get it. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2.14 that they don't get it. It's foolishness to them because they're spiritually appraised. Or that just means that they, they cannot make a spiritual connection. Why? Because the Spirit of God is not in them. And the only reason that these things make sense to you and me as believers is because as Christians, the Spirit of God dwells in us. And here in John chapter 1, we are told exactly who Jesus is. The first verse, again, makes it very clear. The word in the Greek is the Greek word logos, or it means divine expression. He was not only with God, he was God. Jesus was part of the Godhead, as God has chosen to reveal himself in three distinct personalities. God reveals himself as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, don't allow our finite, limited little brain power to miss this point. Because when you and me naturally think of one, one is one, right? And when we think of three, three is three. Yet the infinite God is one Yet he reveals himself in three distinct and different capacities. And when we get to heaven, we're going to see clearly how that works. But in our text here, we see, in fact, John chapter 1 is this literal feast of who Jesus really was. Notice verse 1, he is God. In the beginning, he was with God. He was God. Verse 2, he's always been there. Verse 3, He, the Word, is the Creator of all things. And as the Creator, He came into being through what? Through God. So verse 4 and 5, He is the light. 
verse 14, the Word who was with God and was God became flesh. He lived in a body, flesh and blood, just like you and me. Verse 29 and 36, he is called the Lamb of God who has come to take away the sin of the world. Verse 41 of John 1 says, he is called the Messiah, which means he is the anointed one. He is the Christ. He is the Savior. And this, of course, could only be fulfilled by who? By God himself. Because God said in Isaiah 43, 3, he says, For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Notice he uses the word Savior there. Savior means the Deliverer who is God. He goes on to say in verse 10, You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there is no God formed, and there will be no none after me. Even from eternity, I am he, and there is none who can deliver out of my hand. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the host of Israel. Yes, the Creator God is our Savior. He is our Redeemer. He is the one who is worthy of our praise. Back in John chapter 1, verse 49, Jesus called the king, he is called the king of Israel, for he came for the Jew first and then the Gentile. And in verse 51, Jesus called himself the Son of Man. This is a direct reference all the way back to the Old Testament book of Daniel. In Daniel chapter 7, verse 13, where the Messiah was referred to and called the Son of Man, who all the people and nations of every language would serve him. Yes, Jesus was God literally in the flesh. John the Baptist spoke it. The disciples embraced it. Saul of Tarsus, the Pharisee who was taught by the notable rabbi Gamaliel, later to be known as the Apostle Paul. Notice how when Paul, his Hebrew name was Saul, and that's when he was a Pharisee, the highest leading sect of religious leaders of the day. And it was all about him. It was about me, myself, and I. And so Saul, his name in the Hebrew means man in demand. And that's what Saul wanted. He wanted to be the man in demand. He wanted to climb the religious corporate ladder and grow up to be the main guy of power. But when he got dropped on his face there on the road to Damascus by Jesus himself, and Jesus says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? That was when Saul looked up and like, well, excuse me, uh, uh, who are you, Lord? He goes, I am Jesus. And he's like, oh, I was afraid of that. Yes, and that's when Saul became a born-again Christian and he received Christ in his heart as his Savior. And he changed his name from his Hebrew name, Saul, to his Greek name, Paul, which means little one. Think about that. He went from the man into man to the little one. And he preached it unto his death. Yes, Jesus confirmed it not only verbally, but he proved it physically as he healed the sick. He made the blind see. He made the lame walk. He healed those of leprosy. He delivered those that were possessed by the devil. And he even raised the dead. He stood against the dead and lifeless religion of the day. And he brought humanity into a relationship with God. Which brings up this other thought here. You know why he came. Now we know who he was. He was God in the flesh. 
But why again did Jesus come? Why did God decide to come and live as a human being in a body of flesh and blood? For John the Baptist said it best in John one twenty nine. He says, the next day he saw Jesus coming and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Yes, Jesus came to take away the sin of the world. Why again? Because we've all sinned. We've all fallen short. We've all done wicked things. Oh, I know we want to pat ourselves on the back and say how wonderful we are and all of these things. But look, when we compare ourselves to true and pure holiness, we have all sinned radically. That's why the Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one, not even one. And notice how John the Baptist said it. He said, behold. That's a term of surprise. One that means stop, look and see, meaning you can't miss this. He's saying, you got to see this. This is the Lamb of God. This is the one who will take away the sin of the world. It has been approximately 4,000 years since Adam and Eve had eaten of the forbidden fruit in the Garden of Eden, when John the Baptist said that. Approximately 4,000 years had gone by that he said that, behold, the Lamb of God. Yes, 4,000 years humanity had continued to eat the forbidden fruit, living and pursuing sin with the same satisfaction that we find today. And what is that? No satisfaction. In fact, Mick Jagger of the Rolling Stones has been singing about satisfaction for the last 50 plus years. What's he been singing? Can't get no satisfaction. See, some think if I were to, if I was just rich, If I could just win the lottery, the the mega Powerball, I would be so happy. While the rich know nothing satisfies. Oh, they pose that there's satisfaction. But Professor Michael Norton, I was just reading this article of Harvard Business School. He said in interviewing multiple people at different levels of success. Now, the people that he's interviewing are millionaires, multimillionaires, and even into billionaires. And this is what they all said and what they all had in common. Now, listen, I'm quoting now Professor Michael Norton of Harvard Business School. So this is what he said after, after interviewing all these multimillionaires. He said, basically, everyone says they need two or three times as much to be perfectly happy. What? You're already a multimillionaire. It's like you need two or three times as much? See, novelist Gary Shingart Uh, after studying the rich, had this to say, quote, here were people who could purchase anything they could ever want, and even they weren't content. At the end of the day, he said this, quote, I was just happy to end the research because it was quite depressing, end quote. (laughs) It's like, see, why was it depressing? Because, see, when people like you and me that don't have all this money and everything, we think, oh, hey, pastor, speak for yourself. Give it to me, man. I'll be happy. But when you go to the people that have it, they're never happy. The God that has a million wants 10 million. The God that has 20 million wants 50 million. The God that has 50 million wants a billion. The God that has a billion wants 10 billion. It's like they're always like they're never satisfied because someone else has more than they have. See, if satisfaction could be found in riches and fame, then surely wouldn't people be finding it? I mean, wouldn't they? Wouldn't we find the person's like, oh, I'm just the happiest person in the world. Look at me. I'm so happy. No, you got rich people committing suicide. You got rich people that are given in the vices, sex, drugs, rock and roll, everything, alcohol. Why in L.A. were core churches? Why is there a liquor store in every other corner? 
I mean, because these people are drowning themselves in their misery. Yet if the goal in life is to have peace, isn't that the goal? To be at peace? Then that simply cannot be found on our own. You ever wonder if you could find peace? Try to find it. You'll never find it. You're like, oh, you know, I'd be at peace if I had a brand new car. Okay, you get a brand new car. Then after about six months, it's like, well, you know, this new model just came out, has more horsepower. Oh, yes. Well, if I just had this new wardrobe, I'd be so happy. You get the new wardrobe. And then six months later, you're washing a car with the one blouse that, you know, that costs, you know, 200 bucks. I mean, it's like, you know, it's like you, nothing satisfies. Think about it for a second. I'm just asking you a question here on the radio. I'm asking you, right? Are you listening? Here's the question. Are you ready? Name a person, place, or thing that has given you a long-term lasting fulfillment. You see, you can't because see, things will satisfy for a season. And look, you know, we're happy with, you know, our children. And of course, until they become teenagers and start rebelling. But anyway, but, you know, we're happy with certain things and all of this stuff. But it's like after a while, you always need something else. Why? Because God made us with a with a God shaped void in our heart. Don't you get it? The only thing that will satisfy us is getting right with our creator until you're right with him. Nothing this side of heaven will satisfy you. And until you get right with God, you're never going to be satisfied. I mean, think about it. It's so cool that God made us that way. Because if not, I mean, what if you could just get a chinchilla? I got a chinchilla. Well, yeah, so what? Yeah, but I love my chinchilla. I'm fully satisfied. Oh, look how soft he is. I'm fully satisfied. I need nothing else in life. I'll live in my tent in my backyard because I have my chinchilla. See, God says, no, a chinchilla is not going to make you happy. A tent in your backyard's not. A house in Malibu's not. A Ferrari's not. You can't find satisfaction outside of me. That's why we at Core Church Los Angeles like to speak truth. It's not what all people want to hear. Listen, the Bible is not what you want to hear all the time because the Bible calls you on the carpet. The Bible says you're living in sin. The Bible says, look, look you know, you got to get right with me. You have to repent and return to me so your sin can be forgiven. See, people don't want to hear that. They want to hear we're good. Pat me on the back. How wonderful I am. I give the cancer research. I got a rescue dog that's ate my couch. I'm ready to kill him. But no, I'm not going to say that to anyone because on my on my Instagram page, I'll tell him, oh, yes, I got a rescue dog. He's the most beautiful dog. No, you're ready to kill the dog. But whatever. It's like nothing will satisfy outside of Christ. And that's why the word of God speaks truth to us. It speaks truth when we want to hear it. It speaks truth when we don't want to hear it. And that's what's wrong with progressive Christianity today. Progressive Christianity says, I'm a Christian. I believe the Bible. Yeah, well, how about this? Oh, well, I don't believe that part. Well, you know, I think everyone should be able to live their own life. And I think that, you know, if these people, they love each other, they can love each other. And if this pe- this person loves each other, they can, you know, live together and sleep together outside of marriage. And, you know, and it's like, well, no, then you're not a Christian. Oh, yes, I'm a Christian. I believe the Bible. No, you don't believe the Bible. Listen, because you're changing the Bible. You're changing what it says. You're changing it to what you like. You only believe the parts that you like. You can't do that. You come to Christ. It's one or nothing. It's all or nothing. That's it. And it's like some people don't want to hear that. Well, I'm just telling you. Then you're not a true believer. Hey, don't judge me, bro. Hey, don't judge me. Hey, listen. The Bible says in that same you know, Sermon on the Mount, chapter 7 of Matthew, where it says, don't judge one another. You know, well, watch out because you got a, you know, if you got a little thorn in your eye, you know, don't pick out the splinter in your brother's eye because you got a, a telephone pole in your own eye. Okay, that's fine. But he goes on to say that you'll know them by their fruit. So we can be fruit inspectors. And if you're living in sin and you don't have any desire to repent, I can say this, you're not a true believer. 
because it says in 1 John 1, 6, if you say that you know him and yet you live in sin, you're a liar and the truth is not in you. So you can say all you want, like, oh, it's okay to do this. It's okay to do that because you're changing the book. Listen, if it's a new thought, it's not true. And if it's true, it's not new because God's word never changes. Listen, if that offends you, Listen, be offended by the Word of God. Don't be offended by me. I didn't write the book. I didn't pen one word of it. But I'm here to teach the truth. And if you're not being taught the truth, if you're not being challenged in your faith, listen, here's a good way to you know, wonder if you're being challenged in your faith. Are you listening? Turn the radio up a little bit. Don't turn it down. Don't turn it down. Get your hand off the volume. Listen, if you are offended by the Word of God being taught when you're living in sin, you're at fault, not the Word of God. He's trying to save you from you. But if you desire to grow in your relationship with Christ, I encourage you to come to Core Church. Look, if you don't want to grow, then don't come to Core Church. You just want to be told how wonderful you are and God's going to bless you no matter how you're living. Then you don't want to come to Core Church because that's not what you're going to hear. We're not going to patty cake things, okay? We're going to speak the truth so that you grow and mature so that when you walk into heaven's door, Jesus looks at you and says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Come into the joy of the Lord. But those people that just have their own little concocted religion that you think you're saved by, you know, the Bible says in the, uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, many will come to me in that day and say, Lord, Lord, didn't we know you? And he says, I didn't know you. Depart from me. How horrifying for you to think that you're saved when you're not saved. Because someone's telling you, oh, well, you know, it's the law now. We can live this way because that's what the law is. doesn't matter what the United States makes as law. It doesn't matter what the Supreme Court votes on or whatever. If it's against what God's Word says, it's still sin. What was sin 3,000 years ago is still sin today. So don't forget that. But for those of you that want to grow and you want to be challenged in your faith, man, I want you to come to Core Church LA. We're on the intersection of La Cienega and the 10 Freeway on the west side of LA. We're right across the street from Kaiser Hospital. Come and check us out. We have a 8.30 a.m. service and a 10.30 a.m. service. We also have a 6.30 p.m. service. And I encourage you to bring someone with you. And so they'll be challenged In their faith, there's never a message I teach that I don't end with the gospel. You want someone that's on on the line, maybe they're getting ready to maybe consider giving their life to Christ, bring them so that we can lead them to Christ. You know, so I challenge you to come. Check us out at corechurchla.org. All of our services live stream, by the way. So all of you on the East Coast, uh, you're three hours ahead of us, but you can just go to our service times and you can go and download our free app on your tablet, on your phone, and you can watch our live stream services right there on your phone. So don't think on the East Coast you're being left out, because you're not. But anyway, getting back here to our study here. Yes, for we are all lost, and we're separated from our Creator because of our sin. And we know that we're all guilty, right? Don't we know that? That's why God gave us a conscience. Could you imagine if we didn't have a conscience? I mean, you could swipe something that never feel bad about it. Yeah, it's still your neighbor's lawnmower. I don't feel bad, you know. I mean, you could just do whatever. You wouldn't feel bad. But the conscience inside of us drives us back to ask forgiveness, which brings up a thought. If you're doing something or you're living in sin right now, you're living with your boyfriend or your girlfriend or, you know, you got some other sinful lifestyle that's happening in your life, you're watching pornography or whatever, you know, you're drinking, you know, whatever the case is, look, you pick the vice. You you know what the vice is. The Holy Spirit will show it to you right now. That's what's so cool about the Holy Spirit. Here I am on the radio talking to you, and I can say right now, as you're in your car, you're at, at your house, Holy Spirit, just bring up whatever sins in that person's life. Okay, boom, there it is. Okay, so that sin, that one right there, it's like, if you don't feel 
bad about it anymore and you know it's wrong and you know God says it's wrong, but you don't feel bad, you have calloused over your conscience. You need to ask God, oh God, have mercy on me. Let me feel bad about this again because I've done it for so long now that I don't even feel bad about it. You need to ask God to help you feel bad about it, to drive you to the cross of repentance. Yes, but behold the Lamb of God. Wow. See, no matter where you're at, no matter how long you've lived in that sin, no matter what, behold the Lamb of God. Stop, look, and see. He came into the world for one reason. And that brings up this last thought here. What he did. What did Jesus do to save you and me? Well, in John chapter 12, this is what Jesus did. He rode into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. Everybody cried out, Hosanna, Hosanna. It was a term of great praise, meaning save now, Lord. But yet Jesus says, my soul has become troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But it's for this purpose that I came for this hour. Father, glorify your name. Wow. Yes, the plan from the very beginning was for Jesus to die for the sin of all humanity. That's my sin, and it's your sin. That's why he came. It's crazy. God came to live among us. He came to show us a new way. He came to buy us back from the bondage of sin and death. Yet verse 27 of John 12 says his soul was troubled. In the Greek, it means he was agitated. He was filled with anxiety, not because he was going to be tortured and crucified. For he went on to say it was for this purpose that he came. The part that agitated Jesus was knowing. Jesus knew that the sin of the world was going to be poured into his sinless body. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Yes, Jesus died as a sacrifice for man's sin. That's the truth of what he did. Consider the contrast between Jesus Christ and Alexander the Great, who was considered by some historians as the greatest human in secular history. Both died. Jesus and Alexander the Great died at 33 years of age. Alexander the Great died in Babylon. Jesus died on Calvary. Alexander gained all for himself. Jesus gave himself for all. Alexander conquered every throne. Jesus conquered every grave. Alexander made men slaves. Jesus made all men free. Alexander built his kingdom on killing life. Jesus built his kingdom on giving life. Alexander won the earth only to lose it all in the end, along with heaven. While Jesus lost his life only to rise again and gain heaven and earth for all of eternity. Alexander's dead, he's buried, and he's waiting judgment. Jesus is alive forevermore as King of kings and Lord of lords. Yes, Jesus came for this purpose, to be an example of a servant. And he said to his father, glorify your name. And the father said in a thunderous voice, I have glorified it. Yes, Jesus came to save us. And he said in John twelve thirty two, and if I be lifted up to, from the earth, I will draw all men to myself. Have you looked at Jesus 
dying on the cross? Have you received him into your heart as your Savior? Are you living a life that's well-pleasing to God? Listen, if you're a prodigal son or a daughter, are you falling away from God for whatever reason? Or you've just never really come to know Jesus as your Savior? Are you born again? Are you born from above? If not, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. Listen, unless you're born again, you will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Come to Christ now. Restore yourself to him now. The Bible says, whoever comes to me, I will in no way cast out. And if that's you, you pray this now. If you mean it, God will hear you. Pray this now. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I believe you died for me. You rose again. Oh God, come inside of me. Restore me. Renew me. Refresh me. Be my Lord. Be my God. Be my Savior. And be my friend. And fill me with your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Listen, if you just prayed that prayer, I want to send you a Bible. And you might have 10 Bibles, but this one has all kinds of notes that will help you in walking and, you know, how to put one foot in front of another and and really growing in your relationship with Christ. You can call me at 323-807-3255. That's 323-807-3255. Or you can just email me right from your phone. You can just email me, Bible at CoreChurchLA.com. Bible at CoreChurchLA.com. Just email me your name and address, and I'll mail you one. So anyway, that's a free gift from me to you. May the Lord God bless you. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app available on iOS and Android. Core Truth is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you've been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA to 77977. You can also give via our app or online at corechurchla.org, as well as writing to P.O. Box 34789, Los Angeles, California, 90034. 